you are listening to Give Me the Bible with Len. Today's topic is entitled Reputation. Hello my radio friends, I'm glad you could join me today for another program in the series, Give Me the Bible. I've heard from so many sources about the satisfaction that comes when one commits his or her life to the Lord. There comes into the life a new vitality, a new satisfaction and hope that just did not exist before. Some of you have experienced this, and I have too. There is nothing better than committing your life to the Lord. From that, you will have a sense of purpose, a sense of belonging, and a sense of being in a right relationship with your Heavenly Father, who loves you so very, very much. But, as has been said, the Christian life is not without problems. Often, family and close friends who have not experienced the joy of belonging to the Lord do not understand what has gone on in your life, and they may or will put pressure on you to conform to their way of thinking and behaviour. I'll share a story of someone who began a new way of life with the Lord and who came under immense pressure from friends, colleagues and family later on. Jesus, addressing people about the new way of life in him, said two things which are apparently contradictory. In John 14:27, Jesus announced that he would give his believers peace. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid, is what Jesus said. Yet he also said that he would bring a sword into people's lives. A sword meaning conflict. These are his words recorded in Matthew 10, verses 34 and 35. He says, Think not that I am come to send peace on the earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance with his father, and the daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Well, how come? You might be wondering. The simple fact is that when someone follows Jesus and becomes a Christian, changes happen. The person himself or herself has a new outlook and adopts a new set of values. These values may be much different than the rest of the family has. As a result, there is often conflict. It's interesting that Jesus names six people, three younger ones 
and three older ones. The conflict comes from changes especially in the younger ones. And that's how it often is. Younger people are more willing to make changes in their lives than older ones. And this is brought out in the wisdom statement, You can't teach an old dog new tricks. But did Jesus intend to upset the stability in society? Well, the simple answer is yes. Jesus came to set up a spiritual, moral kingdom, not a political one. As such, the change came to society from within, to change it for the better. But he also knew that many would resist that change, and as a result, there'd be trouble, that is, a metaphorical sword. The Apostle Paul knew all about this. Paul, once known as Saul, was brought up in a Jewish family. He must have been a very promising young person and was educated in the rabbinical schools. Only the best and brightest young people were given that privilege. Saul became part of a very elite and religious Jewish group the Pharisees, who were extremely zealous for their religion and for God. They aimed at living strict, sinless lives. As a young and upcoming Pharisee, Saul was known for his zeal and enthusiasm, and he wanted to stamp out the new Christian movement established among the Jewish believers. It was then known as the way. Saul was given authority by the chief priests and church elders to seek out any of the new Christian believers and drag them before a panel of priests and elders to be condemned. But the more they did to stamp out Christianity, the more it grew. On a special mission to Damascus in Samaria, Saul had an experience with the Lord. It wasn't just a vision, as others in the party heard a voice speaking, although they couldn't identify where it came from. The voice said to Saul, 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 why do you persecute me? Saul then replied, who, who are you, Lord? To me, Saul's reply was a strange reaction, as by using the word Lord, Saul acknowledged he was speaking to someone greater than himself. Then Saul heard what he probably least expected to hear. You can read about this experience in Acts chapter 9. In verse 5, the Bible says, I am Jesus, who you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the pricks. Then from Saul came a most unexpected question. Verse 6 in chapter 9 tells us, And he, that Saul, 
trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what will you have me to do? In the matter of mere seconds, one of the most dramatic conversions to Christianity that ever happened took place. Saul, the self-proclaimed enemy of Christianity, became a Christian himself. We learn from the book of Acts and later books that Saul's name was changed to Paul, and he spread Christianity throughout the Mediterranean region of Europe. He became the apostle to the Gentiles, a missionary, and the Lord used him in a marvellous way. Another thing that happened to Saul on the way to Damascus was that he became blind. At that time, instead of being the feared persecutor of the Christians, in a flash he became dependent on others for even the most basic things. Miraculously, Paul received his sight back three days later. Some Bible scholars think that Paul may have been poor-sighted for the rest of his life. Another clue about the Apostle Paul is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 10, where the Bible tells us, For Paul's letters, they say, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Paul wrote about his disabilities, describing them as a thorn in the flesh, and he prayed a number of times to have them removed. But each time he prayed to have the thorn in the flesh removed, he was told by the Lord, My grace is sufficient for you. What a change! In moments, Paul had swapped sides, so to speak. It changed from one who was highly respected, confident, a feared persecutor, with the backing and support of the Jewish hierarchy, to someone who was dependent on others. He had lost his reputation. He had lost his social status. He had lost just about everything for the sake of Jesus. How did that affect him? Paul gives his own answer in Philippians 4.13. There he says, I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Now isn't that something? Here's a man who's lost just about everything, yet regards himself privileged and able through the power and strength of his Lord, Jesus Christ. But even more than that, Paul did not care about what he lost. He felt that he had gained something of much greater value than he had lost. He writes about this in Philippians 3. I'll read to you from verses 7, 8, 9, 10 and 14. Paul recounts how he used to be a highly regarded member of the community, a Pharisee. And then he says this, But what was once of profit to me, I now count as loss for Christ. 
have no doubt about it. I count all things as loss compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For him I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, and may know him and know the power of his resurrection. I press forward to the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. Paul looks back at his life and the things he once valued and, and he pronounces them of absolutely no value to him anymore. He shares with his readers what he considers the highest value. That is to belong, to serve, and to love Jesus Christ. This is where he found satisfaction. This is where he found purpose, fulfillment, and peace. This was the experience of the Apostle Paul, and it can be your experience too. When you say yes to Jesus, when you ask for forgiveness for your sins, when you determine to serve and follow him, the things you once thought important will lose their importance. You'll become changed. You will have new values and new goals. You will experience peace and joy in belonging to him who loves you. Yes, you. So much that he was willing to give his own life in order to save yours. Ah, my friends, I know some of you have a yearning for satisfaction, a longing for something better in your life, a peace and joy that you don't currently experience. But you can have all that and more. Why don't you make the decision to serve the Lord? That's where the longings and yearnings will become satisfied. It's true. It works. It's my experience and it can be yours too. We're told about this in Second Corinthians 5.17 which says, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. We're going to have a little break and we'll go on straight afterwards. i 
Just before the break, I was talking to you about a complete character, spiritual and moral makeover. And first, Second Corinthians rather five seventeen says, "If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new." What a makeover! But one thing puzzles me, and that's this. When someone comes to Jesus, there is a change, a change for the better. The dishonest person becomes honest. The person who is involved in drugs wants to become straight, and so on. Why then do others pressurise that person to abandon their new, better way of life? And go back to what they were formerly. I want to tell you a story, a true story. I've changed the name. Jed was an actor playing a major role in the popular TV soap opera Two and a Half Men. The show had been running for a couple of years, and Jed was very well paid. By most people's standards, he was quite wealthy, and life seemed to be good. Yet Jed was troubled by the content of the shows he was part of. Topics involving loose relationships, light morals, infidelity, covetousness, and the like, troubled him greatly. It was as if he was living in a world of immorality, and being paid to present it to the general public. As time went on, Jed became more and more troubled, and questioned what he was doing. Is there any value in this? Was the big question that kept revolving around his mind. But day after day. And week after week, he kept showing up at the set, playing a part he felt uncertain about. He began searching, searching to find peace and satisfaction. In his immediate environment, he found no answers to his questions. Fame and money did not bring him peace. Eventually, his search led him to the Bible, and there he found out about Jesus. Jed decided to follow Jesus, and committed his life to Him. At last, 
he felt that he had come home and had peace in his life. But at the same time, he felt even more keenly that his role in acting in a trashy TV soapy was in conflict with the new direction in his life. And at the height of the show's popularity, Jed announced that he wanted to quit, to leave the show, to leave his career, to forsake his popularity, to forget about his reputation, and instead to follow his conscience. Of course, Jed came under tremendous pressure to remain in the show. His friends and associates pleaded with him not to leave. They reminded him that the success of the show and their personal successes depended on him being part of the team. But Jed followed his conscience rather than a road to riches and left. The show continued for a while after Jed left, but as far as I know, it was discontinued soon afterwards. Like the Apostle Paul, Jed could not deny his conscience. He had to serve and honour the Lord because there, despite the negative pressures placed on him, he found peace. What happened to Jed is not an isolated case. Thousands of similar situations have occurred and are occurring right now. But the big question is, what will be your story? Do you find yourself troubled by your current lifestyle? Are you looking for but not finding peace? Are you filling your life with things and stuff that do not satisfy? Do you feel like you're on a treadmill of activity and not finding any real joy in your life? In the case of Jed and the Apostle Paul, they spurned their previous life and their reputation and followed Jesus. I don't know too much of what happened to Jed after the story that I've just told you, but I do know about the Apostle Paul. He was persecuted and hounded. He was imprisoned. Many attempts were made to kill or injure him. In Romans 8.18, Paul records this summary. He says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. And to that, Paul adds this in verses 28 and 31. He says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. And then he goes on to say, What shall we say then? And here's his answer. If God be for us, who can be against us? Paul is saying that when the Almighty God is with you, the odds lay heavily in your favour, despite attempts by others to drag you down. 
Friends, it is a fantastic thing to belong to the Lord. Christianity is not just a way of life. It's a pleasure, a joy, a freedom that brings satisfaction. And I want you to have it. Come to Jesus. Commit your life to him. Ask him to come into your life and fill you and direct your steps. Like many others who have gone before you, you will be so glad you did. Unfortunately, we must stop for today. God bless you, my friends, as you make your decision to serve the Lord. Until we meet next time, I wish you joy and hope and peace. So many